0: Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob Iswell. God, we love you this morning, and we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Father, that your goodness and your mercy chase us down and overtake us. We thank you, Father, and we do. We praise your name this morning. We praise Your your holiness, and we praise Your goodness, and we thank You for Your goodness, God. And Father, I thank You this morning for Your Word, that it is alive, it is active, it is sharper than any double-edged sword. And I thank You, Father, that this morning it would be alive to us, and that we would encounter Your Word in a fresh way. Father, I thank You for the anointing that makes preaching easy, that I might communicate Your heart this morning. I thank You, Father, right now that Your presence is here. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Almighty. As we were worshiping, uh, someone's been healed of chronic headaches. Who has chronic headaches? Is there someone in the room that has chronic headaches? Repeated headaches? Maybe it's someone online. But I heard the Lord say, I'm healing headaches Uh, specifically on the right side of the head. So just take that if that's you. The Lord's healing that right now. All right, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. That's where we're going to be this morning, Acts chapter 9. Uh, Before we get there, uh, Melanie, will you pull up that picture I sent Amber? Um, I want to make just a a short announcement uh, about the play. Yep, there you go. All right, this coming Saturday, I have the privilege of being the performing arts teacher out at Still Creek Ranch, and so we've got our year-end spring soiree production that I want to invite the church to. Uh, If you can't afford a ticket, I'll give you a ticket, Um, but our kids have worked really hard. Um, Kyle, our son who's who's out sick this morning, uh, he's one of the leads in the play, and it's a murder mystery. It is so fun. It's a spoof. And so there's two showings. There's a 1.30 and a 7.30, uh, and it's at the Bryan Performing Arts Center, uh, which is at Coulter and Carter Creek. And it's just going to be a great, great event. It's hilarious. Um, and it's kind of set in the 1920s, 1930s, in that era, era and uh, it's just a lot of fun, and so I've had the privilege of directing that, and so I wanted to announce that. Um, it's my last semester teaching out there, and so this is kind of my swan song for Still Creek, uh, so I wanted to invite you uh, out there. All right, Acts chapter 9, that's where we're going to be this morning. Familiar passage of Scripture, uh, but the title of my message this morning is Encounters on the Way encounters on the way. So Acts chapter 9 verse 1, now Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way whether men or women he might bring them in shackles to Jerusalem. Now, as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but get up and enter the city and it will be told to you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight. And inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many people about this man, how much harm he did to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer in behalf of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like fish scales fell from his eyes, And he regained his sight and got up and was baptized. So let's talk a little bit about the context of this story. The climate for believers at this time was incredibly hostile. The leadership of the church was in hiding. The stress was enormous. It's best described that Saul was a terrorist. He was a killer on a rampage to annihilate this new religious movement called The Way. The mention of his name turned hearts to terror. He was a Christian killer. And if found praying, he would arrest them. He would kill them. There were beheadings. There was so much happening, and Christians had been fleeing and going into hiding. And yet at the same time, this dichotomy is taking place here that not only is it incredibly hostile for the church, but great miracles are happening. It was a time of miracles, great power encounters with the Lord. Philip had gone into the city of Samaria preaching Christ. The crowds were in agreement with him because they saw the signs that were happening around him. People with unclean spirits were healed. The paralyzed and the lame were healed. Samaria was rejoicing. And so there was this tension at the time of both persecution and incredible breakthrough. And these things had been reported back to the religious leaders in Jerusalem. And here is the problem, is that the power base of the religious institutions in Israel were changing. There was a changing of the guard happening. What used to hold the power in Jerusalem, they were starting to lose their hold on the holy city because the church was on fire. The church was growing rapidly and what will happen when you oppose those in religious power is that reactions will fly. And that's exactly what's happening. Is that, and this is why Jesus teaches about the need to come as a servant and in a humility, because it's in that way. There's a French philosopher, he says, Men never do evil so completely and cheerfully as when they do it from religious conviction. They never do it so freely. And so cheerfully as when they do it from religious conviction. And here's the thing. People of faith will always expose those who just live a religious life. Have you ever been triggered by someone with more faith than you? I have. You get around someone who has more faith than you, and, and for some reason it starts hitting that religious spot. Oh, well, they're just a fanatic they've just, they're a little too much. Now, I know a lot of people think that about me, you know, and so that's fine. But I remember the first time I heard David Hogan, who's a great missionary in, in Mexico, and in all of his miracles, I was a little annoyed. Well, why does he talk like that? Why does he say things like that? Because he was challenging the religious devils in me. I was bound up in some religion. And so what's happening at this time is that faith was beginning to expose the religious leaders in Jerusalem. 1 Peter 4.12 says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. So when we begin to move in faith, it is not unusual for us to go through the fiery trial. When we begin to move into new territory, and it is this that we take strength from, that there are no fiery trials for someone doing something insignificant. If you are doing something significant, you can expect that there will be fiery trials. And let me say this, the size of the attack against you is indicative of the size of spiritual impact you are to be having. You can always, uh, my great uh, friend Jill Austin, who's gone on to be with the Lord, used to say, new level, new devil. But same God. That's the key to that. See, religious people will often reject you over the blessing in your life and never recognize that you went through hell before the blessings flowed. They will never recognize, they never see the testing of your faith, the cost that you had to pay, the trials on standing firm while others were forsaking the way. See, we come to harvest seasons and we get rejected because they don't understand the cost. There is a cost associated with blessing. When we have breakthrough, there has been hell before the breakthrough. You see, before you could enjoy the blessing, you had to fight the enemy that was after the blessing. So Saul was on a journey to kill some Christians. He's got papers giving him permission and he's passionate about it. Saul was so convinced that he had the truth. He was so convinced that he was willing to kill for it. But in the middle of his plans, Jesus shows up to stop the enemy dead in his tracks. Between the beginning of the journey and the end of your destiny, Jesus shows up How many of you are thankful that Jesus showed up while you were on the way? I thank God between where I'm at, what I'm fearful of, and what I think is going on, that Jesus is working on my behalf, that Jesus is turning up at the most unexpected places, at the most unexpected times, because that's exactly who He is. I can be on my journey, headed in one way, because I think I have truth. I might be caught up in my religious ideologies, but Jesus is so faithful to show up in the middle of my journey, knock me on the ground, and speak to me, and put me in the right direction. And I'm so thankful for that, that I serve a God who is intimately acquainted with my destiny. And here's Ananias, and there's these two characters happening here. Because then we have Ananias, without knowing, is currently living under a threat that no longer exists. Because Saul has now been encountered by Jesus, but Ananias is in the city thinking, I've heard that Saul is on his way. And if he catches me, I'm done for. He's worrying about something that God has already dealt with. I think we spend so much time in our lives worrying about things that God has already dealt with. And God speaks to him and says to him, go to this man and pray for him. And this is a shock for Ananias. He says, Lord, I've heard from many about this man. How much harm he did to your saints. Lord, you're telling me that you're going to use Saul, but I heard that he's a Christian killer. That's who you're going to choose to use? Oh, there's so much difference between what you heard versus what God knows. And I think too often thinking there is a problem when, we're, when in reality God has already turned up because Philippians 2.13 promises, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Romans nine sixteen says this, So then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. And Ananias, as we find him, is still controlled by rumors. I heard this. I heard that. I had someone speak to me about that person. You can't trust that person. I heard from someone what they did there. And we become so convinced because it's on good authority. The rumors about Saul were true. But Jesus had showed up. And that's the the factor that changes everything, because the problem is without us knowing that someone we don't really know the truth of what's going on. We don't know what God is doing behind the scenes while we are praying, worshiping. God is moving in unseen ways. I remember years ago, I was prepared to go to a conference and I had a friend call me and say, oh, you're speaking with so and so. You need to be really careful. Such and such happened and this happened and this happened on good account. Was it true? absolutely. The rumor was true. But when I got to the conference, what this person didn't know is that between that year and the year of this year, Jesus had showed up in the middle. And I think too often we live based on the rumor of another time period without recognizing that Jesus shows up in the middle. So much weight is given to what amounts to a rumor, to someone else's opinion. And now our minds get filled up with rumors, tainted reputations, negative reports, none of which have been checked, none of which have been verified. And so we shape a whole belief system from what others have said, not knowing that God had met them on the road to Damascus. What you heard rises up against what God knows. But this is what Second Corinthians 10 says. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. James 3.5 says this, So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. Fires are set ablaze by rumors, by speculations, by gossip. Pastor Jacob, why are you saying all of this? Because I want to challenge you this morning that there are people in your circles of influence that you've heard about and you've thought they'll never get saved and yet God is saying, I'm about to show up in the middle because there are encounters on the way. You have been encountered so that you might be an encounter so that someone else can have an encounter with the same living God that you encountered. And we've got to start reframing our thinking about how we view people and how we view the lost and even how we view the saved. Because what happens is that gossip comes and speculations comes and rumors come and our hearts are stricken with fear because that is the way so often we have been shaped to think. We live for the worst case scenario. It's how our whole world is framed. You listen to the media and it's the worst case scenario in every newscast. Everything's going to be destroyed. And coming to Christ, the enemy works overtime to work with the habitual ways of thinking shaped by our pre-Christian days. Always suspicious, always thinking the worst, always fearing what might happen. But we are to live out of Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. I love what the Amplified Classic says, which surpasses your ability to even comprehend it, will guard your hearts. The Amplified says, will guard your hearts, will build a wall of protection and garrison about you. The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, God is seeking to confront the foundations of our approach in living. You were afraid, but you don't need to. You were fretting, but God is working. You were worrying, but God wants to dispense His peace into your hearts. I learned years ago, things never seem to work out as bad as I thought. And I, I tend to have a proclivity to see the glass half empty. That tends to be my disposition. Pastor Hector challenged me really well this week. We, 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 we get together every couple weeks just to talk. And I said, Pastor Hector, here's what I'm struggling with. And he goes, well, I think part of your problem is that you see the glasses half empty when actually it's overflowing. That's probably true. I tend to, to lean that way, whether it's my prophetic nature or whether it's just this, this, you know, I don't know what it is. But I lean that way and I've, I've had to learn over the years that I can't go into panic mode and think, oh, the worst is going to happen. Now, have I had situations where it looked like the worst was happening? Yes. And so we create these narratives in our mind. Well, this happened before, so it's going to happen again. But what we fail to recognize is that Jesus shows up in the middle. That God is working while I'm praying. That God is meeting people on the road of life to change and move toward my favor and best for my life. I tell you, I've found that God will do things even locally, nationally, if it's to bring to pass His will for my life. That I have got to recognize that if I just keep walking on my assignment, that Jesus will show up in the middle. There's encounters on the way. Wherever I'm headed, there's an encounter on the way and He'll put me where He needs me to be with the people He needs me to be at the right time for the right purpose. I mean, last weekend is a beautiful picture. Here we are out of town for a wedding and at a wedding, Holy Ghost shows up under a tree. We're outside for a wedding. Probably the most beautiful wedding I've ever attended. I mean, it was opulent. And here we are under this grand oak tree. I think the tree's like 110 years old or something. And it's this huge round tree and we're sitting under this tree and I'm performing this wedding. And we got towards the end of the ceremony and the the couple had said, please make sure you pray for us and do what you do, Pastor Jacob. I said, what does that mean? (laughs) Just get the Holy Ghost to show up. And so we get to towards the end of the wedding. I think we had just done the rings or something. And I said, we're going to pray. I took their hands and I simply said, Holy Spirit, come. The wind of God came into that tree, branches lifted, and people went, oh! For hours after the wedding, I had these new agers coming up to me. What was that? I've never experienced something like that in my life. How did you do that? I didn't do it. Well, you had to have done it because you said, Holy Ghost, come. Who's the Holy Ghost? Had that question. Well, let me introduce you. And then Jeannie Mansell over here decides that she's done with the party at the end of the night and wants a healing line out in the foyer. So she starts pulling people out of the wedding. (laughs) Pastor Jacob's going to pray for you. Oh, let me get another one. Pastor, you've got to pray for this person. And so we're outside the wedding, and Jeannie Mansell's lining up like the good usher that she is. Get this one. Get this one. But there were encounters on the way. And I'm going to be honest, I'm thinking to myself, because here I am sitting at dinner. Anna had taken the kids back up with with Nana up to the, the hotel room, and I'm sitting there, and there's this doctor sitting across from me. He's like, oh, I'm a doctor and he's also a lawyer and he's done this and he's done that and he's done this and, done and I'm like, how in the world am I here? How did I get here? And the Lord starts reminding me of things. Remember when so-and-so prophesied, you'd sit at this table and da 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 And remember when da 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 And da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And all these prophetic words and all these things that God had spoken to me, even as a little kid start coming back to me, and I begin to recognize that while I'm on my path, Jesus is showing up in the middle. And I want to prophesy to you this morning that there are encounters on the way and that Jesus is showing up in the middle. Because here's the truth, that nothing, nothing, nothing can separate me. Romans 8.35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? I've had all of that, and yet nothing separates me from the love of Christ. Romans 8.37, but in all these things, so in tribulation, in distress, in persecution, in famine, in nakedness, in peril, in sword, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm convinced. Ephesians 1.9 He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His kind intention which He purposed in Him. God has some kind of intention to dispense for my life. God has intention for your life. And here's the reality, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Because your battle is in your mind. I must cast down speculations. I must cast down those lofty ideas, those rumors. I was having a conversation with someone this week. And they were telling me this story, and I said, and and I really wasn't being prideful, so hear my heart. I said, I warned you about that. I called you and said, if you do this, this will be the result. And they said, well, we got confused, and this other person was saying, you were a warlock. Well, the rumors ain't true. And I said, as a matter of fact, that person is a witch. And I can prove it to you. And I walked him through all the signs that a person's operating in witchcraft. They said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I believed the rumors. Listen, there will be rumors about you. There will be rumors to you. The enemy has rumors about you that he speaks to you and you believe his rumors about yourself. But you've got to cast down those lofty speculations, those lofty ideas. And I have to remind myself, no, I will not think like that. I cast down those thoughts. I rebuke them and I receive the spirit of power, love, and sound mind. My my prayer often is, Jesus, thank you that I've not been given a spirit of fear. I thank you, Lord, that you have given me power. You have given me love. You have given me a sound and stable mind that is not tossed to and fro because of stress. And I say today, God works for me while I'm at home. Works on the road of Damascus to position me and proves once again the one who is seeking harm becomes the one who is seeking me out for good. So many people are living under a threat that no longer exists, worried about something that God has already dealt with. God doesn't always give you updates with his plan. My goodness, I wish that Jesus tweeted sometimes. Maybe he will now that Twitter's changing hands. Who knows? But what I do know is he's working it out. And I know that he who began a good work is faithful to complete the good work. And so when I'm caught, because here's what happens. We get caught in the middle. We're on the way and we get caught in the middle. And we're stuck in the middle trying to figure out where am I headed? Joseph Garlington, I love what he says. You know, we go from glory to glory, but there's hell in the hallway. And sometimes we are living off the previous glory, hoping for the next glory, but there's hell in the hallway. And we get caught in the middle. But here's what I know. Jesus shows up in the middle. And I've got to start remembering. There's an encounter waiting for me in the middle. There's an encounter on the way. God doesn't always give us updates, but He's working it out. And I want to show you something so powerful here. To Saul, God works on him and puts him into a position that he now needs the one whom he criticized. That one hurts. That one hurts. He created a need only his opponent could fill so that God could now show him God's hand on the believer all the time. The one who opposed you, God creates a need, so he has to come to the one he rejected. That one's hard, y'all. I've had those situations where I've I believed a rumor about someone then all of a sudden I need them. Oh. Thanks for the humble pie, Jesus. He is Jehovah Jireh. He always provides opportunities for me to become more like Him. And they're not easy and it's hard to swallow. But He does it because He wants us to become more like Him. He wants us to walk in the fullness of what he paid for. And so in the middle. But get this, because Ananias had all sorts of attitudes, prejudices, and fears. Yet in the hand of Ananias was the power to remove the blindness in what he thought was his enemy. And this is why we have to deal with the battle in the mind. This is why we have to live with forgiveness, with redemptive attitudes, with loving your enemies. Because God will create needs in the enemies to bring them to you to have you meet their need. That one's equally as hard. I've had to go to my enemies to have them meet a need, and then I've had my enemies come to me to meet a need. You see, this is working in your families. This is working in people who once rejected you. You never know when God wants to reconcile and heal their hearts to remove the blindness from their eyes. And it is you, their enemies, now coming to to have the scales removed from their eyes. There's encounters on the way. Ultimately, to make us more like Him. See, it could have never happened when you live with your blindness of wrong thinking. God is working. God is doing stuff you don't even know. God is doing business on the road to Damascus. And so he's blind and not able to see until you lay hands on him. The guy that came to kill you now needs you to lay hands. And if we don't deal with our prejudices, if we don't deal with our fears, if we don't deal with our opinions, When they come, we'll have no anointing to set them free. And their blood will be on our hands. Now, God would have raised up someone else besides Ananias to meet Saul. He just would have. We see that throughout Scripture that God seeks to find someone. But Ananias would have been under the judgment of God for disobedience. See, God makes your enemies your footstool and they will receive sight from the one they came to kill. God has put in you what they need for the yoke to be broken off their lives. And there are three reactions that are so important here. The first one is you have to be big enough to accept the change God makes in you, makes in those who hated you. Let me say that again. You have to be big enough to accept the change God makes in those who hated you. that's hard when people have criticized us when they've ridiculed us I'll never forget I was preaching a conference back in my conference days and I walked into a green room and there was someone I'd never met before and he goes I heard about you that never starts well I said well I'm sure you did and he said, you're nothing like they said you were. I said, Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I said, it's a very good thing. And I said, I'm curious, what did they say? And he told me. And I went, yeah, that was probably true in that season of my life. <laughs> yep, I could see that being true. I was a little pompous. I thought I knew everything. Yep. And and he told me a couple other things. I said, yeah, that's absolutely true. He goes, well, isn't that God? I said, it sure is. It sure is. Because God is faithful to humble us. God is faithful to take us through the process. Here's the second reaction. The one who once hated you has to be humble enough to admit they were wrong in what they said and did towards you. Here's the third one. The blindness God put on them was actually so they could see better. We have to recognize that God will make us blind so we can see. God will blind us in seasons so that we actually can see better. God will shut us down over here to make us more keen over there. We will have a tax on our finances to make us better stewards over here. God will put us in a valley to take us to a mountain. God will break us so he can bless us. This whole idea that God won't take us through hard things is heresy. God is the author of some of our hard times. There are two kinds of storms. There are storms that God starts and there are storms the enemy starts. And you have to discern what season you're in so that you handle it correctly. Some of us rebuke God rather than embracing what God's doing. And then some of us embrace the devil rather than rebuking the devil. And there's a third storm, the storms we create. whatever is going on in your life that is negative, here's what I know is that your promise is the opposite of what's going on. Your promise is the opposite of what is going on. If you're feeling sick, it's to declare the healing of God. If you're feeling down, it's so that God can raise you. If you're blind, it's so that you could see. God will work all things together for good because what I know is the powerful pull of the future, there is destiny ahead of me that is calling me into my destiny and whatever situation I'm in right now, it's to form and fashion me into who He's created me to be. So I don't waste a trial. I don't waste anything. Because even if the enemy is seeking to kill me, come on baby, let's go. Because I have resurrection power on the inside of me. I've got a destiny and a purpose. I've got something pulling me into my destiny. To enter that destiny simply requires some changes, some development, some expansions in your heart. But here's the bottom line. 2 Corinthians 4, 7-11. through 11. But we have this treasure in earthen containers." So that the extraordinary greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying around in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who live are constantly being handed over to death because of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our mortal flesh. When you catch that, when we go through a death, it's so that we can experience resurrection. When we go through a crucifixion, it's because resurrection's coming. When we go through a trial, it's because He's already paid the price for it. He's in the middle when we're on the way. He's in the middle when we're headed toward destiny. And some of you need to wake up to the reality that your trial is temporary. It's not forever. It's not going to last forever. And that Jesus shows up up in the middle hallelujah there are treasures inside of us resurrection power that god is calling forth why that the life of jesus might flow out from us that all resistances will be dealt with so that resurrection life comes from us what is the result all of this We must have a vision of who we are on the inside rather than what is going on on the outside because on the inside we have resurrection power and treasure in these earthen vessels. And when we catch that, man, oh man, it changes us. As I close this morning, I want to encourage you first and foremost that if you've not been through Encounter Weekend, you need to come to Encounter Weekend. And if you came through Encounter Weekend and you're saying, I need another encounter, come again. If you got your encounter, serve at the next encounter. But let me me say this. Encounter Weekend is set aside so that you can be healed up. You can be freed up. You can be filled up. And it is. It's an encounter where God takes you through a journey of dealing with the resistances on the inside. And there's revelation that happens during that weekend. Now following encounter weekend, we'll have what we're calling post encounter. So for four weeks after encounter weekend on Wednesday nights, we won't have e-groups. We're gonna meet here at the church and we're gonna take you deeper in the post encounter. So what you catch in a weekend, you learn to live out in a lifetime. I wanna say that again. What you catch in a weekend, you learn to live out in a lifetime. Is there a commitment and a cost? Yes. We're asking that if you come to encounter weekend, you're there for the whole thing. It's not a conference. You need to understand, it's not a conference. It's an encounter. And from Friday night to Saturday night, it's full of an encounter with God. It's full. So, Take the cost. Take off work. Do what you need to do. Believe God for the finances if you have to take time off work. Because what we know is that when you get healed up, when you get freed up, and when you get filled up, all the other stuff just kind of gets in line. It's worth the cost. It's worth the cost. And if finances really are an issue, I think we've already had people drop some scholarships in. So you'll be covered. We'll make sure you're covered. And listen, we feed you the whole time. Spiritually and physically. That's what Jesus did. Took care of the physical needs so you could pay attention to get the spiritual needs met. But I preached this morning encounters on the way. And here's what I know is that there are two types of encounters. There's the ones where God just softly shows up, like for Paul. And then there's ones where we say, I'm going to set aside time. And I'm going to encounter God. And that's what Encounter Weekend is all about. I want you to, I want you to be there. Pastor Anna and I, we, we lead the whole thing. And we take you through an encounter with God. And, and I'll say this. When we led it, God took us through our own encounters. And we don't give you a lot of details about all that happens. Because we want you just to come ready to encounter God. This morning... There's a few groups that I want to minister to. The first group is if you're in this room, you've never made a decision for Christ. You've never yielded your life to Him. You might be watching by the live stream this morning. You've never made that decision. I want to give you that opportunity this morning to to surrender your life to Christ. Or maybe on this journey, at some point, you pivoted and you're not headed in the same direction towards Christ anymore. And you want to get reorientated this morning. If that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come join Pastor Hector and Susanna over to my right. But if that's you, you want to commit your life to Christ this morning. If you're watching by live stream, I know you can't get over here. But if that's you this morning, I want you to to stand. If that's you this morning, I don't want to embarrass you, but here's what I know is that when we make a public declaration of following Christ, and I feel like I know most people in here this morning, but I want us to pray together, especially for those watching my live stream. Would you pray with me, church? Jesus, I repent of my sin. Today I choose new life in you. Thank you for your price that you paid. Thank you that you saved me. Today I walk in that salvation. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or visit www.equippingchurch.us.